0: grab your copy of God's Word. Would you join me in that letter that's been a part of our series these few Sundays? That is the letter of James. To all of our first graders with your brand new Bibles, uh, that's page 1,354 in your Bibles. All right, that's 1,354 in your Bibles. Uh, I invite you to join me there in this letter as we turn our attention once more to the Word of God. When you made your way there in that second chapter, you'll see words similar to these. James writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, my brothers, some of you translate say brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing come into your assembly, And a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And If you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." You are doing well. But if you show partiality, some of your translation says, if you show favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word. Of our Lord and to our first graders as you are looking in your new Bible I want to encourage you as you take your Bible that you you pray before you read the scripture that you would pray and then you would study the Bible that you would then trust what it says and that you work to obey it that's not just for the first graders actually that's for each and every one of us that as you grab your copy of God's Word that you you look at it prayerfully and as you look at it prayerfully, you, you intend to study it diligently. As you study God's word diligently, you are to trust his word. And as you trust his word explicitly, you are to obey it. Oh, that's where it gets difficult, doesn't it? Uh, that obeying part. See, I knew it was going to be a rough ride, and so I knew I was going to get maybe one amen from two deacons. <laughs> but, but that... That trusting and obeying part. If you were with us on last week, we talked about how God's word is to be a mirror to our lives and how we're to align our lives with the truth and teachings of God's word. And now the Holy Spirit inspires James to continue in writing the behavior God expects of every believer. The behavior God expects of every believer. Don't get this twisted. Because he's not writing this to those who are, is that my little sister? I see you there. Uh and not writing this to those who are outside in society. No, he's not writing this, Tyrone, to, to those who don't know the Lord or those who are not a part of the body of Christ. No, this particular uh, prohibition, this commandment is written to believers, to Christians, to you and I, those of us who are living under the Lordship of Christ. And check out how he does it. Dr. Al, he cut to the chase. There's no no beating around the bush with James writing. No, James looks at everyone, and he tells believers that there should be no partiality among you. Uh, Partiality, favoritism, racism, discrimination. That when it comes to the body of Christ, that shouldn't exist among us. Because practicing partiality corrupts the picture of our faith. That that when we gather together, if any of us are are victimizing someone else because we don't like the way they look, uh, because they they don't look the way we look, Uh, Christ in his word declares that we are actually putting ourselves uh, in, in contradiction to our Christian testimony. Because the truth is that if God held our parents against us, then none of us would be in the family of God. Okay, you're not with me just yet. Let me see if I can help you understand this. The Bible says, uh, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So our sinful appearance separates us from God, from relationship with God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then he said, The ways of sin is, uh huh, but the gift of God is. Eter- so you see that butt that's there, that had God held us against ourselves, that God held our heart disposition against us, then we wouldn't be in the family of God. But I like the way the saints of old said, but he looks beyond my faults, uh, and he saw my, he saw my needs, and, and he welcomes us through faith in Christ to be a part of his family. So look at how James opens it up. He says in that first verse of brothers and sisters, show no partiality. As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Look what he says. He says, as you are gripped by grace, as you are reflecting on your faith in Christ, as you see the lordship and the glory of God in Jesus Christ, as you see it, he said, it ought to enlighten you to see others in a different way. I hope you catch this. But as you see God's acceptance of you, it ought to inform your acceptance of others. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I knew it was going to be a rough right here um, because uh, we, you know, we, we, we naturally profile people. I oh, know, I know what you're saying there, you know. Yeah, I've been profiled, Pastor. Yeah, you have been, but you've profiled too. Yeah, you, you've, you've judged someone because of the way they look, because of the way they dress, because of the way they act. And if we're honest about the body of Christ, oftentimes we are guilty of judging people who, whose sins are obvious. Uh, you know, the, the sins, are, the, the sins are, are part of their public profile. It, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to snoop around or, or dig or look around the corner to find out what their sin problem is. It's right there out in front for everybody to see. And many of us have a tendency that we want to place judgment upon people whose sins we can see as though we don't have sins that they can't see. Man, i am tell you what, if the person next to you could see everything that you've done in your life, I'm talking about everything, not, not, not just the stuff you want them to see, but if they could see everything, okay, you don't believe me? Um, um, if you are okay with everybody knowing everything about you, go ahead and raise your hand. What? What's wrong? Why is it quiet up in here? Oh, because you realize then that, that I'm not, in, we are not in position to judge anyone in light of the fact that what we receive from God is his grace, which means we didn't deserve what we've received from God, and yet God in his love for us has given us grace. And he says, if I can look at you that way, then how are you to look at others? Hmm? Oh, he says, show no partiality. The Greek word here is really connoting judging someone at face value. It's it's judging them by the way, the way they look. You know, he gives this illustration, and he uses for an illustration two uh, two dressed people. Yeah, the first one he says uh, comes in, and and they're dressed to the nines. We used to call it for You know, they they, they have the Brioni suit, and they have they have the cufflinks, and they they kind of look like Tyrone. I mean, anyway, you know, they. they, they- uh, they, they, they have the, the shoes polished uh, to a mirror shine. I mean, when you see them, you see that they are somebody of means. I mean, when they came in, uh, they came in sharp. They they look like they're somebody. You know anybody like that? Just say, yeah, my pastor. Go ahead and shake your, head, shake your head. Uh, they, 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 they look like somebody. They, they look like, and some of you right now, you're profiling me because you're saying how you're a pastor and you don't, have a, you don't have a tie on. How you're a pastor and you don't have a robe on. How you, I, I see some of you all, but the reality is he's challenging us. Right, He's saying, listen, look at yourself before you start looking at others. Because the illustration he gives is if you treat the rich man with prestige, if you treat the rich man with with a level of respect and value and you say, hey, you know what, Uh, based on how you look, you ought to sit right here. But then you turn to another man who's not dressed like the rich man. In fact, the Bible says he has, he has shabby clothing. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, uh, you, you saw the rich man, he came from downtown, but then uh, a man that came from under 290. Right. The one that was carrying the sign earlier on your way to worship, and he said, uh, I can use some help. He, he had the sign that he was holding on the corner, and all of a sudden, you passed him up, you parked in the parking lot because you were running late for church. Right. And then he enters into the building. And before he enters in, you sense he is among you. You sense it because you could smell him before he comes. Hmm? And he has shabby clothing on, and you tell him, uh, not, not you, the ushers, not, not our ushers, but, you know, in the text. He says, give the illustration of, of the ushers, they tell you, uh, you, 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 you know, you stay back here. Uh, because somewhere we've devalued someone based upon their external appearance, and then given value to someone based upon their external appearance. The sin in the text is not that value was given to the rich man. Uh, Tanya, the sin in the text is that the same value that was given to the rich man wasn't given to the poor man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that he should be valued just as highly as the first man in the text. I'm in mean the text because what he's challenging us, brothers and sisters, that if we're going to be the people of God, then we ought to be godly, and God shows no partiality. Okay, you don't believe me? Let me go ahead and help you. Here. Deuteronomy, the tenth chapter, the 17th verse. Uh, the Bible says, "For the Lord your God is God of gods." and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. That our God is not partial. That everyone who calls on, the, oh, I love this text, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be Safe. It doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter even what you've done. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Greg, you know what's the problem right now? Is that some of us forget where we, the way we were before we called on God. Some of us forget how, how we were before we came to God. Some of us forget that some of the people we judged, we were just like them before we said yes to God. But when you look back over your life, and if you're honest with yourself about some of the stuff you did and you would still do if you could, You would admit that, that had it not been for the Lord, had it not been for God's grace, I would not be in this place. But because God loves me, because God redeemed me, I'm able to lift up my hands as though I'm innocent, even though I know I've done enough to not be in a relationship with him. Ah, oh, let me check this out. He says, he says, show no partiality. Our God had to teach Samuel that when Samuel went over to Jesse's house. And Samuel was uh, looking to be led by God to identify the next king. And Samuel goes into Jesse's house and he sees these, uh, these, these strapping young men who, who come in. And Samuel looking at them and say, oh, yeah, I could tell he holy. I could tell. Look at his stature. Look at his, his demeanor. Look at, look at him. And the Lord tells Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. And he's looking at our heart and saying, people of God, it is incumbent upon you that you be godly. And if God showed no favoritism against you, no partiality against you, then you ought not show partiality against Anyone, even if they're different from you. Oh, but pastor, you don't know that lifestyle. Um, last I checked, sin is sin in the sight of God, and all of us. Uh, let me check. Anybody in here didn't sin last week? I was gonna say today, but some of y'all hadn't thought enough about today. <laughs> no, the truth of the text is that all of us are. We're in the same place. Before we were received by God's grace. And because God has given us his grace, it ought to inform us so that when we see other people, we ought to see them through the lenses of the very grace we've received. He said, don't show any partiality. Not only should not show partiality, uh, you shouldn't be uh, self-partial either. You know, as as though we deserve to be here. No, 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 baby. We, we, we don't deserve to be here because Christ said in Luke 9 and 23, he said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Because he's compelling us, Austin, in the word of God, what Paul writes in Philippians 2 and 3, do nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That means then that God has given the people of God the ability to love like God. Uh, I hope you caught that thing. Uh, Because the reality is, you know how God loved us? Do do you really know, Drew? I I can tell you, this is how God loved. The Bible says God demonstrated, he commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, hmm, while we were detestable and rejectful, while while we weren't even loving toward God, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, That God expressed his love toward us before we were ever able to express any love toward him. That's what he's done for you and I. And so he tells them, "Listen," he says, "If you accept uh, the rich man, when, when oftentimes the rich man in this context that were was was taking advantage of the poor, and and this is not a broad generalization. So what the text is not saying is that all rich people in uh, um, are not God's people or are poor people or poor. You heard me say that? Poor. That's, that's my my vil came out because poor you got a little means, but poor means you can't even afford the o and the r." Um, but, But it doesn't mean that poor people, I got my doctor degree, but I know how to say it, okay. Uh, yeah. (laughs) That they automatically are admitted into the kingdom of heaven. No, that's not the case. That's not what he's saying here in this illustration because when you're a student of the text, you know there are some people who are faithful to God that God blessed them with a certain level of fortune. I mean, Abraham had not made. Job was a rich man. There are those in God's word that were given means and they were, were faithful to God and God's calling upon their lives. So don't get this thing twisted. He's just using it as an example. And he's saying, the way you treat One with esteem and value is the same way you ought to treat the other. Because both are made in the image of God. Proverbs 22 and 2. The rich and the poor meet together. I love this. The Lord is the maker of them all. Ah, so what does he tell us? The the way we are able to to not show partiality, the way we're able to not profile and judge and and try to critique or devalue people because they're not like us or not from the area you are from, the way we're able to not be prejudiced and racist is to be able to love everyone equally. I'm in the text because he, he says, first of all, that have you you made distinctions among yourselves when you choose to judge or judge others, but you are judging from evil thoughts. That's what he says. But then he goes on to say that what we should be doing is fulfilling the royal law. The, the royal law. God, God's word where he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, what are you saying? Uh, if, if we're not going to live in the sin in the sin of partiality, we have to learn how to love each other equally. Okay, this is how Jesus said it. Um treat others the way you want them to treat you. Come on, you know how you do that thing. I got three amens and five five hangs. It's okay. I knew it was gonna be rough right here. He says he said he said treat others, you know what it does, is, if you want to overcome partiality, then that, that you have to begin to, to see others the way you see yourself. You know how you judge yourself? You judge yourself by your intentions and not always by your actions. You judge yourself by what you're thinking is best for yourself. And anytime time you make a mistake, you give yourself grace. But come here, brothers and sisters, just like you give yourself grace and just like you judge other people uh, differently, God says, no, you ought to look at them the same way you look at you. That just like you give yourself a measure of grace, you ought to give them a measure of grace too. Mm. he says if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself you are doing well but if you show partiality you are committing sin it's right there It's in your bible if you didn't tear it out right there in verse 8 God says, you are to love. As a recipient of God's love, you are to extend love. Okay. Um, uh, the Bible tells us that, that every morning, every morning, he said, he said we receive brand new love mercies each and every day of our lives we receive brand new mercies every time you come before the Lord uh, and you've done wrong the Bible says that if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness now how can you receive all this goodness from God and have the audacity to stand and not extend that same grace and mercy towards somebody else He says, no, 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 you're supposed to love people. And you remember when Christ was teaching this back in Matthew, when the young guy came to him and said, teacher, um, what is the greatest commandment? And Christ says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then, you know, young guy uh, thought he was smart, and so he came to Jesus and said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus gives him this story of a young man who's making his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he said he fell amongst thieves, and they, they, they robbed him, and they left him half dead. And check it out. He said that when the religious came, the Levite came, they saw him, but they didn't see him. He so said when the priest came, they, they saw the man that was hurt on the side of the road, but they didn't see him. But then a Samaritan who wasn't from his culture, his ethnicity, or his background, not only saw him, but he nurtured him, bandaged up his wounds, gave him what he needed to make it, brought him to an end, and said, whatever he owes, I'll pay for it. And then Jesus says, now, which of these was a neighbor? And he says, the one who had compassion. I wonder when God looks at us and the lack of compassion that we have for others, how we ignore people when we're going about, how we look at somebody and try to size them up just because uh, they don't look like us or how we try to act like we're superficially concerned, but really show no concern for real. You you know, I, I keep scanning Audrey because I don't want anybody to think I'm talking about them directly. But you know how it is. Uh, you ask somebody how they're doing, and before they answer, you on to the next person. Hmm? Uh, but that shouldn't be among us. Not when we have been recipients of all of God's goodness and His love. That that we should commit ourselves to expressing the same love that we've received. And so first, he says, show no partiality. Second, he commands us to love everyone equally. In fact, Romans 13 and 8 says it this way. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other command are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 says, love does not wrong, does not, does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And what God's word is challenging us, is as we examine our lives, we have to answer the question, does everyone I look at, am I looking at them through lenses of love? Love. That that, that if you're listening online, that when you come amongst the body of believers, that this is a place where you can belong. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've come from. This is a place that accepts you. Now, don't get this thing twisted. Everything you do may not be accepted because it may not be biblical. That's not just for those online. That's for those in here. But you will be accepted. Why? Because many of us learned it in VBS, for God so loved, I knew you knew the world. Everybody, everybody in it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not just those who are a champion forest. Right. No, he loves us all. And he tells us as believers that we too are to love. Ah, But then, not only does he tell us to show no partiality and to love everyone equally, but he tells us how to do it. Uh, text goes on, and he says, listen, if you show partiality, then you are committing sin, right? Verse 10, he says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Somebody said, uh-oh. It's right there. He says, because he says, many of us, we want to practice selective obedience. You know, I don't I, I want to be obedient about this. But God, you know my neighbor. God, I, I I I'm gonna love everybody in the church. Well, no, not everybody in the church, but everybody in my life group. <laughs> no, not everybody in my life group. Just those who sit on my row selective obedience. And what he's saying here uh, in, in jest, he's saying, listen, the same God who's given the command, you should not commit adultery, the same God who's given the command, you should not murder. And if you lie, but you didn't commit adultery, but you lie and you steal and you didn't murder, he says, guess what? If you've broken and been guilty of one, the law is the law that you're guilty of all. It's like somebody having having a windshield and, and that windshield gets hit by a rock and somebody says, oh, you got a crack in your windshield. They don't say, oh, that's there's a little crack right there on the corner. No, let's say you have a crack in your windshield. Listen, if you're guilty of one sin, there's a crack in the windshield of the law. And he said, if you're guilty of it, guess what you're in fact, go ahead. Go ahead and tell the truth today. Anybody going to admit, I- I'm-, I'm guilty of the law. I'm guilty. You know, no, nobody want to holler about it? I'm-, I'm guilty of the law. Yeah, all, all of us, Drew. I'm with you in here. All of us are guilty of the law. Why? Because if we weren't guilty of the law, we wouldn't need a Savior. We wouldn't need Jesus Christ to come and redeem us. But because we were guilty, he looked at our situation, and in love, he rescued us from us, cleaned us off, called us his own. Why? Because his love triumphs over our judgment. I'm at the end of text now. Because that's what the text says. The text says that, that we ought to now so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Oh, don't miss it. This is good. This is good. He says that, that when you consider that this, this law is a law that frees you, uh, that, that, that God uh, has a law that welcomes you, loves you, and, and sets you free, and you realize that, that he's done this for you, not because you earned it, because you can't earn it. Not, not, not because you deserve it, because you do not deserve it. We do not deserve it. And yet he's given it to us. He says, listen, when you are operating under this, then you come to know that for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Ah. Jesus says, bless all the merciful for they shall obtain, shall receive mercy. Don't miss this because when you have God's mercy, it takes the place of his judgment. I'm, I'm done now. Uh, I'm getting excited about this thing. Uh, when, when you have God's mercy, then his mercy then gets it is substituted for your for your situation. Let me put it this way: um, God, in His love, came down to earth where we were, and His mercy took our place, so we can go up to heaven where He is. You're not with me just yet. That God, in His righteousness, took on our unrighteousness, taking the place so that we could be the righteousness of God. You're not with me just here yet. Just that God, in His love, came to save us from our sins. That He became He knew no sin became sin, so those of us who are sinful can become the righteousness of God. He made an exchange. Look at the text. For he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is not getting what you deserve to get. Uh, And if we're honest about it, we deserve to not be in a relationship with God. We deserve the just punishment of our sins. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. That even though our sin cried out guilty, it's like that song we sung, Jesus came and he paid it all. Ah, uh, that's why we said all to him. I do sin Sin had left the crimson stain, but he washed me. Oh, goodness. He, he washed me white as snow. This is what the love of God does for us. This is what our love should look like toward others. That we ought to love others way God loves us. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's what he tells us in his word. He tells us of the kingdom of heaven, and he said, it's like a ruler who went to a servant who owed him a vast amount of money. That servant pleaded and said, please forgive me, and I, I'll pay you as soon as I can, and the ruler had compassion upon him and said, I'm going to wipe your slate clean. You don't owe anything anymore. But then that same servant left from that place of mercy and was merciless towards someone else who owed them a fraction of that amount. When the ruler heard about it, he came to that servant and said, You wicked servant. You should have had mercy upon them like I had mercy upon you. Mm. Y'all, there are so many times when we weren't as merciful to others as we know God has been to us. There are times when we We treated others differently than we wanted them to treat us. When we should have extended patience, we were impatient. we should have extended compassion, we were were critical. We should have extended love. We failed to love the way God loves. I want to encourage you right now to bow your heads and begin to do your business with God. Go before Him. I want to encourage you to, to confess before the Lord. Those times when you were practicing partiality. When you're judging people by their appearance, not by the value that is inerrant to everyone who's created in the image of God. I want to encourage you to to confess it right now. Because when we gather in this sacred space, we gather before a holy God and His holy word, and and His word challenges us to to look at our own lives and introspection and and begin to to see, like the psalmist says, what's not like Him. And say, God, I need you to, to root it out. I can love the way you love. So we come before you, Father, in your presence. We're so sorry for the times we, we didn't see the way you see. Times we failed to have compassion or we were overly critical or wasn't welcoming to, to those who were without. Forgive us for the times we We were recipients of your love, but we didn't extend that love to others. Forgive us for for always expecting what we don't always give. Help us that we might love each other better. And in our expression of love to you, we might even love each other more. That this place... This, this church family will be a place where the hurting can come and, and receive healing. The troubled can come and, and know that love exists here in the body of Christ. And so we call upon you, actually, that you do a cleansing work in our hearts. Cleansing work in our lives. That we might live more for you and love each other better. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand all over the building. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to ChampionForce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.